welcome to Shameless, the celebrity and pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Zara McDonald, that would be you. Hello, we also have producer Annabelle Lee here today. Hello. Looking beautiful in pink today, Annabelle. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Coming up on today's show, two stars get very flirty on the red carpet while their spouses look on. Fan slam former bachelorette Georgia Love's racist Instagram post, one of our favourite celebrity wedding dresses ever, and then a big bumper segment on the Nadia Bartel white powder controversy that Australians of all ages are talking about and what we would do if we were Nadia's PR managers. The question no one asked. <laughs> <laughs> what a week, first of all. Like, I know we're about to talk about our week and our recommendations, but what a fucking week in the celebrity world. Yeah, a bit going on. <laughs> Quite a bit going on, which is lucky because I think what we've found in the pandemic is that there are many weeks where there is not much <laughs> going on. How are you? What has happened over the last seven days? Uh, look, not quite much has happened over the last seven days. I have been binging the D'Amelio show that Same. has been sucking up a lot of my time. For those who haven't, this is not even my recommendation. <laughs> For those who haven't watched the D'Amelio show or don't know what it is, it is basically a reality show I would argue that is trying to fill the void of keeping up with Kardashians ish a little bit that yep. follows TikTok's first family the D'Amelios who have Charlie and Dixie who are bananas big on TikTok I love that the family was really trying to do this PR push for being the first family of TikTok and Zara was just like give it to me I will swallow that up and Absolutely. repeat it every time <laughs> what a slogan TikTok's first family have you watched it Annabelle no I've seen clips of one of the D'Amelios crying oh you don't even know which is which no. who, who? <laughs> that's great our classic Annabelle being too niche with her interests I am watching this as well what are your thoughts so far it's funny because when this show was announced we both were a bit skeptical and a bit worried about it I would say mm. because I feel like the D'Amelio girls are quite overexposed at quite a young age and I think I just have this inherent protectiveness over them I think as someone who follows them on TikTok and worries about their mental health. And what this show shows is as much as I adore the show, you kind of feel that tenfold, that worry, yeah. that protectiveness, because what you see more and more in this show is just how deep their anxiety runs and how much they struggle with public feedback. And it's just insane the amount that they have to cop. Yeah, I can't even imagine having 100 million people give commentary on your body and your personality and your talent when you were at such a tender age. Like it is just wild. We have said on this podcast before that we have complicated feelings about Heidi and Mark. They are the D'Amelio parents. I still have those after watching this series. I would love to get on this microphone and say, I watched it and I understood the parents better and now I can see why they sign up the girls for all this publicity and why they push them into the spotlight so much. I have no better understanding of why they do any of that after watching every episode. I did say to you one kind of complicated feeling that I had within myself was this thought that these girls are so overexposed, surely a TV show is only going to make things worse. But then on the other hand, I'm like, you know what? Yes, this TV show is incredibly I guess, invasive when it comes to their privacy. But that said, it does tell their story in a way that I think is encouraging empathy. And I think that's what they needed more than anything is for mm. people to see them as like whole humans rather than just like a TikTok dancer with no feelings. Yeah, that's fair. If anyone is curious, this is available to stream in Australia on Disney+. Plus. I would recommend it. I know you would recommend it, but it is not recommended highly enough to be your recommendation of the week. God, no. <laughs> <laughs> what is? It is. It's just a nice kind of easy watch if you want a nice easy watch. Agree. My recommendation this week is a podcast by 7am. It is called Everybody Knows. Have either of you listened to it yet? No. Nope. You both will adore it. <laughs> I actually think this is one of the best investigative podcasts put out in Australia at least in the last year or so. Wow. It follows the Australian Me Too movement and why it never got off the ground. So host Ruby Jones, who people might know if they ever listen to 7am, which is Schwartz Media's morning news podcast, basically wants to do a bit of a deep dive into Sony, which doesn't have a great reputation for workplace culture. But in doing her own investigation into Sony, she also kind of backtracks a little bit and goes, okay, there was a huge worldwide Me Too movement in 2017. We tried to get something off the ground. She argues that it lasted no more than five days before it fell apart here in Australia. And she kind of goes back and talks to people who were reporting at the time and people with knowledge of why 
it just didn't get anywhere in Australia. Mm. And I think it has been one of the biggest questions that people have asked. It's like nothing's really happened here at all when it comes to Me Too. And what are the reasons for that? And I think one point that is made, of course, that we sometimes make on this podcast a bit is Australia does have the tightest defamation laws in the world, which does kind of hamstring you, not just with Me Too reporting, but everything. Everything. (laughs) We comb over our words. So it is really, really well done. It is super, super engaging and really, really interesting. It's not boring at all. I promise you that. And I think all of our listeners knowing what they're interested in with our content would absolutely be interested in this. Love that. I will be listening to that today, I think. Great. How are you? I had a good week. Something bizarre happened to me this week. I was driving. It was a beautiful, sunshiny Melbourne day. So that's unusual in and of itself. Oh, not recently. We've been doing okay. <laughs> good. We have turned it on. Very happy to report. But I was driving and I turned around a quiet side street and saw two tiny, gorgeous cavoodle puppies running across the road. Like if dogs could be arm in arm, they were practically (laughs) arm in arm, like skipping across the road almost, (laughs) had to slam my brakes on so I didn't hit them, kind of bundled them up into my arms and was screaming out like, or yelling out, screaming's a bit hyperbolic, yelling out, has anyone lost their dogs? I have two puppies here. Like where did you come from? No one came forward. It was so eerie. Like the street was dead silent. Put these two dogs into my car and drove around for like 20 minutes, 25 minutes, trying to find anyone frantically running down a street looking for dogs. Couldn't find anyone. Ended up having a great time with these two dogs for my (laughs) afternoon. Took them to the vet. They got microchipped and happily returned to their owners. But probably my best afternoon in ISO ever. Well, nothing much happens when you leave the house. I mean, you don't leave the house often anyway. And when you do, it's nice that something like this happened. It was pretty funny. You messaged a group chat that I was in with Ray, who does all our partnerships and marketing stuff. And you said, guys, I urgently need help. And I replied saying, sorry, my phone's about to die. <laughs> You couldn't risk wasting like 2% on me. No, I literally had about 3% and I was like, if you're dying, unfortunately, I'm not (laughs) the one that you're going to say goodbye to the last. And I said to Ree, once I started charging my phone again, what happened with Mish? And she said, Mish found two dogs in her car. (laughs) Such a you thing to happen. And I was like, I said to Ree what? She just opened her door and there were two dogs in there. And Ray goes, no, she just found the dog and put them in her car. And I was like, you know what? Thank fuck I wasn't the one who you asked for advice. Cause here was I thinking that you opened the door of your car and two little dogs were waiting inside, not realizing that their paws couldn't open the door handles. You are pretty useless when it comes to animals. The funny thing about this was listeners started reaching out. Cause I was like, what a weird thing to happen in lockdown. All these shameless listeners reached out and were like, well, what about the time you found three cats? And I was like, I completely forgot that happened to me last lockdown. What is it about me just attracting the animals? Thank God it's you. I know. I wouldn't know what to do. I would be terrible. Come all. I'm a good Samaritan. (laughs) I will save your animals if I need to. Recommendation. My recommendation is a fantastic podcast episode. It is titled When My Dad Died. It's put out by Happy Hour with Lucy and Nikki. It is the story of how Lucy Jackson lost her dad when she was just a child. Her dad overdosed on heroin and the story just gave me goosebumps the entire time I was listening. I cannot remember a podcast that has kind of captured my attention so wholly for over an hour and I have huge respect for both Lucy and Nikki for putting this episode out and I highly encourage people to listen. It is dark, obviously. The content is not super happy but very, very interesting and very brave and there's actually a really important thread of child sexual abuse that runs through it as well that Lucy's dad experienced. So highly recommend. Yeah, and obviously a content warning for people on that one, but you have been raving about this episode. I haven't had time to listen to it. I actually might save it for like a long run, like Mm. the good episodes I save for a long run. So, I mean, an incredibly generous thing to do, like never, never easy to be telling stories that are so personal and so hard. So huge props to Lucy and Nikki. They are great podcasters. They're They're killing it. And I can't wait to listen to it and hear her story. Yeah, absolutely. Before we get into today's first segment, a happy announcement. We sold out of our Shameless Charity merch again. We have sold hundreds and hundreds of jumpers, which means that you guys have raised thousands of dollars for our two chosen charities, Jira and Safe Steps. They are charities that raise awareness about family violence and hope to support women and children experiencing it. So thank you. 
We will be releasing summer merch. Sorry to those who missed out, but also thank you for everyone who got involved. Yeah, just an incredible response that we weren't entirely expecting. We had uh, so many COVID issues with stock and things Mm. like that. So hopefully by the time summer rolls around, we don't have the same issues (laughs) because as we know, COVID's disappearing in the next month or two. (laughs) So let's see how we go. No, let's start with our first segment of the show, Mish. I am super excited to talk about this because we are starting with a video that went completely viral on Twitter and... As much as I am a hater of the word viral, this was viewed over 10 million times. This also got you. Like, you were hook, line and sinker for this celebrity story. Do you want to tell me, how did you come across this? So I was scrolling on Twitter (laughs) earlier this week and I came across this video of Jessica Chastain, the actress, and her co-star Oscar Isaac. Annabelle, you're looking at me. Have you seen this video? (laughs) I have. Yeah, you have. It's, like, so uncomfortable to watch, but you have to watch. (laughs) So this video... It's like a solar eclipse. You know you're not supposed to be looking at it, but you can't look away. Well, I kind of want to actually introduce the players before I introduce the video. (laughs) Sorry, we're just sprinting ahead and Zara's like, please come back. Come back to me. So Oscar Isaac, if you haven't heard of Oscar Isaac, is a 42-year-old Guatemalan-American actor. He starred in the film Lewin Davis, which he received a Golden Globe nomination for. He's also starred in movies A Most Violent Year and Ex Machina. None of which I've seen None or of which have heard about. Seen. I have seen all three. I mean, not to toot my own horn. with you? Anything with this nation indie, Annabelle is watching. We are too basic to know this shit. Just a quick sidebar. I know we I shouldn't do too many sidebars today because it's going to be a long episode. When Annabelle recommended Knives Out the other week, my partner Ollie came home and was like, well, Annabelle says Knives Out's good, so we have to watch it. Was and it terrible? No, I said, Ollie, you need to understand something about Annabelle. <laughs> No, he gets Our me. recommendations <laughs> never overlap, <laughs> ever. And I think he thought because we podcast together and are good friends that I would love the film. You would. Oh, Come all right. on. Don't. Now he's going to hear this as well. <laughs> Look, I don't know anything about Oscar Isaac. For those listeners who are in the same boat as me, he is just a random man. Let me tell you, he's incredibly, incredibly attractive. And that's what makes this noteworthy. Smolderingly so. So sexy. Yes. So the other player is Jessica Chastain. She's 44. She is, I would argue, a bit more well-known than Oscar Isaac. She's been nominated for an Oscar. She starred in Zero Dark Thirty, Interstellar and Molly's Game, which is a great movie. Now, these two took to the red carpet in Venice to promote their new show, Scenes from a Marriage. Now, what happened when they got on this red carpet (laughs) was there is this slow-mo video that we keep referring to that shows Jessica Chastain posing for all the paparazzi, all the cameras, right? Looking hot. Looking beautiful. Oscar Isaac is next to her and she's kind of got her arm draped over his back. With me? Yes. With me. Great. He is like gazing longingly at her arm. Nothing else. Her arm. And he's caressing it with his little fingers before he goes in and... Didn't realise Oscar Isaac had little fingers. (laughs) Tiny little fingers. (laughs) Would you just let me do this? proportionally small fingers. (laughs) Just let me go. It's not an easy thing to describe. I have to write down notes. So before he went in and nuzzled and kissed her underarm. You could say armpit, yes. (laughs) So she sort of laughs and then hugs him and then puts both her hands on either side of his face to sort of like play with him. And then they later sort of kept walking down the red carpet holding hands. Yeah, like swinging arms as if they were two (laughs) kids in kindergarten. Absolutely. And so Pedestrian wrote an article about this with a pretty funny opening line from Julian Rizzo-Smith that read the following... Oscar Isaac, a man literally dripping in sex appeal, has officially decided to cause a horny monsoon (laughs) after posing with co-star and friend Jessica Chastain like a horny couple on their first date night post-lockdown. How did horny get in there twice? I love that it got in there twice. What I do not understand about this story is that these two people are married to other people. So they're on this red carpet literally having like the most intimate interaction you can have Huge apart from literally humping on the- <laughs> I hate oh, that horny humping. <laughs> Let's go real gutter. <laughs> but literally you can't do anything else. I would say this is more intimate. An armpit kiss is more intimate than a mouth kiss. They couldn't be doing anything else to look more like they have had sex before. And yet their spouses are watching on. Yes. So they are married to other people. The best part about this story is that Oscar Isaac's wife was actually in Venice on the red carpet too, just standing off to the side. And it does make me wonder, 
my goodness, I do not have the maturity in the slightest to have a partner that went into the arts. No way. Like yeah. I, I so much respect for these people who have such maturity about their art to be like, that's performance art. We're trying to sell this TV show. And by the way, boy, are they selling that TV <laughs> show. And it has nothing to do with the state of my relationship. Mate, I have dreams about Mitch kissing other women and I lose my mind for at least a day. Imagine actually seeing your partner. And I get it. It's scripted. They're actors. They're doing a job. I totally understand that. My maturity is not strong enough to put up with that. If I had a partner who was kissing people's armpits on red carpets, I would have a bit of a breakdown. Yeah. If I was Oscar Isaac's wife, I would be on the sidelines in tears with my armpit. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> what about this old thing? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's just end it there. <laughs> what about this old thing? Coming up after the break, Bachelorette Georgia Love's racist Instagram post, one of our favourite celebrity wedding dresses ever, and then Nadia Bartel's white powder controversy. But first, a word from today's sponsor. Zara, during this weird time we are living in, there is really nothing more important than supporting local businesses. It is something I've been making a conscious effort to do over the last 12 to 18 months. Yeah, me and you both, Mish. I find myself making a concerted effort to support small producers. Dan Murphy's is one retailer who is all about Aussie-made products. Dan Murphy's has a really unique range in their stores that support local communities and businesses. Dan Murphy's is awesome for finding little niche brands and products that you can't get at other alcohol retailers. Taylors. Dan stocks 80,000 Australian-made products from over 4,000 local producers, which is amazing, with every store having a unique range local to you. Absolutely. And I am also so excited by this new partnership, Mish, because we have an amazing giveaway coming up with Dan Murphy's and I can't wait. That's right. On Friday, the 10th of September, we will be holding a giveaway with Dan Murphy's over on our Insta. You can go in the running to win over $2,000 worth of products from Dan's, plus some other amazing Aussie brands. This is definitely a giveaway I wish the three of us could enter. I know there are some incredible Australian made brands and products in this as well as stuff from Dan Murphy's. So winners will be announced on Monday the 13th of September. So keep your eyes peeled over on the Shameless Podcast Instagram account for all the details. With so much going on around the world, there really is no better time to support small producers and local communities. And Dan Murphy's is a great excuse to get down to your local store and support local brands. Thank you so much to Dan Murphy's for making this episode of Shameless possible. And now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Michelle. Here we go. Doggy dog. Andrews. <laughs> what have you got? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just, first... just roll. With it. What the hell? My first story. Georgia Love apologises for casually racist Insta video of a cat inside an Asian restaurant. That is from Pedestrian TV. Yeah, big story out of the Australian influencing, I guess, world this week. So for those who very quickly may not be across Georgia Love who might be listening from overseas, Georgia is best known for being the 2016 Bachelorette. She met her now husband Lee Elliott on the show and she has 240-ish thousand followers on Instagram and does currently work at Seven News as a reporter. Yeah, so she's kind of like a reality star, influencer, media personality hybrid, right? Yeah. On Monday, Georgia Love posted a video to her Instagram stories. So she was panning across a shop front and kind of panning across the menus of an Asian restaurant She then stopped the video on a cat that was sitting in the window of the restaurant and added the caption, shop attendant or lunch. Now, the backlash to this was swift and damning, particularly from a page called Aussie Influencer Opinions, kind of the new age celeb spell check. Also from writer and activist Alyssa Ho. An hour or so passed before Georgia Love decided to take down the video. She then issued this apology. Earlier, I posted a video of a cat in a restaurant window. I meant for this to be a joke about an animal being in a restaurant at lunch service time. I meant absolutely no insinuation about the type of animal nor the type of restaurant, but I do see that my post did come across like that and was offensive. I sincerely apologise for the oversight and offence I have caused. Thank you to those who have called me out. This is what we need to make sure we are all accountable and do better. Again, I apologise from the bottom of my heart for the offence caused. Now, 
This apology was a really interesting one. I think what stood out to me and what stood out to probably everyone doing this podcast right now was that the excuse of, I thought this was a joke about an animal being in a restaurant at lunchtime didn't really land for me. I was like, what is the joke there? Your caption was literally shop attendant or lunch. We know that there is a very racist trope at play here. Can you really gaslight your followers into believing that this was a joke about a cat being a waiter? Feels a little bit like two plus two equals eight. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like it doesn't land at all, but it didn't end there, did it, Mish? What happened after that is after arguing that her post was poorly communicated and not a racist joke, people started to sort of go back through Georgia's old posts and actually found a meme she posted in 2013 and the post made exactly the same racist joke that people were accusing her of making on her story. This was what I cannot believe that this is how this unfurled, that she had made this joke years ago in the exact same context. So the meme that Georgia Love apparently posted to her feed in February of 2013 was of an animal hospital sharing a wall with a Chinese restaurant. The meme included a cartoon dog saying that's suspicious. And according to the screenshots of this meme, Georgia Love captioned the photo best. So we know that Georgia Love, with this context, was making a racist joke. I don't want to hear any other excuse. I would far prefer for someone to just own it and actually acknowledge what they've done instead of kind of spinning this false narrative and expecting us to swallow it without question. Annabelle, we've been speaking about this a lot in our group chat and you have said some really interesting things. Well, as you guys know, I was like pretty quick on this story because, you know, we're in lockdown and I'm quick on all stories (laughs) these days. But as soon as I saw her story, her post on Instagram, I could feel my heart drop because I have had a huge amount of respect for Georgia Love for quite some time as a public figure, as a journalist. I was a huge fan of her season of The Bachelorette. And so when I saw her post something seemingly without a second thought, Mm. it reminded me of the shit that I used to put up with that was like masked as a joke. And it was quite surprising, but also on the other hand, not so surprising. And I don't mean that to imply anything about Georgia Love. I mean that as a member of the Asian Australian community, I think a lot of us have learned to become accustomed to jokes like this, to Mm. hearing jokes like this made at the expense of Asian Australians. Mm. And so I think that that's just a really low bar and it needs to be higher, especially higher for influencers who have platforms who should be helping raise that bar. Yeah. Really, Georgia Love's not doing that. Yeah, I agree. We also commissioned a statement from Alyssa Ho, who is an incredible writer, who's also doing some incredible commentary around this as well. And she wrote to us over email saying, I was in pure shock when I first saw the Instagram story. It reminded me of all the times as a child and an adult, I've had to endure the jokes around me about Asians eating cats or dogs or jokes about people having to hide their pets from me if I ever came over. It is so painful, tiring, and disheartening to see these people, especially these people of supposed influence, get away with racism under the guise of it being a joke, harmless or misunderstanding. Yeah, she went on, non-Asians, especially those who have never experienced racism, will never know how offensive these racial microaggressions can be. It is not their place to tell us to get over it and accept these empty and forced apologies. By sympathising with the person who has done something racist and rushing to protect them, they are supporting racism whether or not they choose to accept and admit that. They literally lose nothing by listening to us and believing us, but they choose to not do that and instead ridicule, tone police and gaslight us and invalidate our experiences and emotions. So thank you both Annabelle and Alyssa for giving us your opinions on this. If you want to follow Alyssa, she is on Instagram at Alyssa Ho Writings. My second story, Tom Holland calls Sendaya my MJ in special birthday message. That is from Vanity Fair, a nice sugary one. Yes. So I didn't quite realise this was the relationship that everybody was kind of waiting for. (laughs) I was a bit slow to this one. So in case you missed it, in July, we of course saw those kissing pap pics of Tom Holland and Zendaya and people lost their tiny minds. People have been wondering for quite a few years if these co-stars are dating, are they, aren't they? They've kind of publicly been dating other people. And now once they were papped kissing, people were like, They are dating. Yes. They hadn't publicly said anything about it. No, until this week when Tom Holland took to his Instagram page 
posted a mirror selfie of Zendaya kind of snuggling into his neck and wrote the caption, my MJ, have the happiest of birthdays. Give me a call when you're up. Now, MJ is the name of the character that Zendaya plays in Spider-Man. I would love to sit here and say I've watched the film. <laughs> I have not. Has. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had to ask Zara when we were putting this episode together. I was like, what does MJ even mean? She's like, oh, dear God, oh, no. Personally. <laughs> I was actually almost a bit offended by that. I was like, really? <laughs> Also, one Google search, but sometimes I am Google for Michelle. <laughs> what time is our meeting today? I don't know. Check your calendar. I'm sorry. I, don't know. I love you. Just love me back. I don't know where all that pent up resentment just came out. Do you want to have like a chat off mic? Nah, I kind of like the. I, kinda, I love it too. You know when you love the responsibility of like someone relying on you? Sarah's my mum. Yeah. <laughs> My third story, Kaylee Kiwoko and Carl Cook's divorce announcement seems very sudden, source says. That is from Marie Claire. Look, Miss, you've thrown to me, but this is actually the story that you fought for, so I'm just going to throw it and handle it right back to you. <laughs> I care about this and I'm more than happy to poll the listeners in tomorrow's Your Say Friday and see if they care too. Kaylee Kiwoko is best known for being the main female character on The Big Bang Theory. She played Penny. She was paid a pretty penny to be on that show. I think she nice. was at her peak. Thanks, Anna. Yeah, not, not bad at all. She was one of the highest earning actresses of her time a few years ago. So in a statement given to People magazine on September but three, she and Carl Cook, her now ex-husband, said, despite a deep love and respect for one another, we have realised that our current paths have taken us in opposite directions. We have both shared so much of our journey publicly, so while we would prefer to keep this aspect of our personal life private, we wanted to be forthcoming in our truth together. There is no anger or animosity, quite the contrary. Now, this is another fork in the road for what has already been quite a turbulent love life for Kaylee Q. Woko. She did date her co-star Johnny Galecki for a couple of years when they first started filming Big Bang Theory. She then got engaged to a man by the name of Josh Resnick. They ended their engagement in 2012. She then got engaged to pro tennis player Ryan Sweeting. They got married but divorced two years later. In 2016, she started dating Carl Cook. He is not just a professional equestrian. He is the son of a billionaire. His dad is a director at eBay. <gasps> Now, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for the dramatic effect. They were married in June 2018. They are obviously now getting a divorce. One detail about this story that has really fascinated me. They didn't live together for the majority of their marriage. They got married but lived in completely separate households. This was a quote she gave last year. We have a very unconventional marriage. We have different locations that we're at a lot. You know, we're not together every single day and I think personally it's important. It works well for us. What do we think of that? Because I am often boggled by celebrity relationships. To get married to someone and not live with them for years is bizarre in my book. Yeah, it's incredibly unconventional. I mean, it clearly did work for a time for them. I mean, I would love to know, which we never will know, whether <laughs> that was a part of the split or if it was something completely different. But I think anyone who's listening to this who has ever done long distance with a partner would know it's bloody difficult and not easy. And I think most people would go into that by circumstance, not by choice. So to make that choice is very interesting. Yeah, well, they actually only moved in together quite recently. So they built a house, they moved in together and then are separating quite soon after. And it just makes me think, try before you buy. Well, like I think you should. I know, I mean, I know I'm going to get a bunch of listeners to me for this. It is my personal philosophy in relationships that I would want to live with a partner before I commit to them for the rest of my life. Yeah, and you're allowed to do that just as much as somebody else is allowed to say that's not what they want. Call me an idiot. People do it every day. You're welcome to. <laughs> what I, I wonder if this is a thing and I, I don't know if it's a thing, but the listeners can let us know if this has ever happened to them. But you do hear stories of people doing long distance and then finally being in the same place and finally moving to the same city or something like that and the relationship falling apart straight away because you become accustomed to your dynamic existing mm. in a certain way. I don't know if that's a common occurrence <laughs> or if it's just one story from a friend of a friend. <laughs> one source did say this is a surprise no matter what has happened. So apparently... They were pretty happy. They were posting really sweet things about each other. Kaylee wrote, I love you oh so much. You have no idea about her husband just a couple of months ago. So whatever has gone wrong, it's gone wrong very quickly. Speaking of other marriages that went wrong, my fourth story. 
Angelina Jolie says it hurt when Brad Pitt worked with Harvey Weinstein. We fought about it. That is from Variety. This is a really interesting story out this week. So in a new interview with The Guardian, Angelina Jolie opened up again about her experience with convicted rapist Harvey Weinstein, saying that she actually turned down a role in The Aviator to avoid working with him. So people might remember in 2017 when the first stories about Harvey Weinstein dropped, Angelina Jolie was featured along with Gwyneth Paltrow and a whole array of other actresses as some of the first women, not the first, but some of the first women to come out and allege harassment and misconduct at the hands of Weinstein. So Weinstein has denied Jolie's allegations, but she said that he made unwanted advances toward her in a hotel room in the late 90s. So she told The Guardian, it was beyond a pass. It was something I had to escape. I stayed away and warned people about him. I remember telling Johnny, my first husband, who was great about it, to spread the word to other guys. Don't let girls go alone with him. She went on. I was asked to do the aviator, but I said no because he was involved. I never associated or worked with him again. It was hard for me when Brad did. Now, what Angelina is referring to there is Quentin Tarantino's 2009 film called Inglorious Bastards. That was a film that starred Brad Pitt and was distributed and co-financed by the Weinstein Company. So of that film, Angelina said, we fought about it. Of course it hurt. What is really interesting about this story, and there are actually quite a few layers to this story in this interview that I do really want to get to, but one of the really interesting parts is that in 2019, Brad Pitt did say in an interview with CNN that he had confronted Harvey Weinstein in 1995 after his then-girlfriend Gwyneth Paltrow said that the disgraced producer had harassed her. Brad Pitt is also currently producing a film on the New York Times investigation of Weinstein called She Said, based on the book of the same name. So he has acknowledged in the past that he confronted Weinstein, but then there is this sort of... Continued working with the company. Yeah, really interesting. Now... Angelina Jolie doesn't do many interviews, right? She doesn't do many interviews at all. So the reason that she did this one is she's actually doing a bit of publicity because she's just written a book with a child rights lawyer and Amnesty International. Now, the book is called Know Your Rights and it basically lays out all the rights children have under the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child. So it basically gives advice on how to claim their rights. Now, Her quotes on this and why she wrote this book are so interesting as well. Yeah, journalist Simon Hattonstone asked Angelina why she wrote the book and she said in reply, I've met too many children who live with the effect of their rights being violated, displaced people, young rape victims. I couldn't understand why they were still fighting for basic things that were their rights to begin with. Simon in the article wrote, her explanation is fluent and authoritative, but not surprising. But then Angelina went on and kind of lost that fluency. She said, then I had an experience in the States with my own children and I thought, well, human rights, children's rights. Yes. So then Simon Hattonstone continues to write, suddenly the fluency is gone. Her language becomes disjointed and elliptical. Angelina speaks. I remembered the rights of the child and I took them out and I looked at them and thought, well, these are for when you're in a situation and you want to make sure there is support for the children in your life. Then Hattonstone writes, she apologises and says she can't be more direct. So when I was reading this interview, I was like, what is Angelina trying to tell us here? Mm. Yes, she's got this story about Brad Pitt at the top that everybody's leading with, but there is also something very deep within this article, right, about she's written this book not just for children across the world, but very clearly for children in the US, and it very much feels like she's trying to hint towards experiences of her own children not having much of a say in a court scenario. Yeah, it kind of sounds like the motivation for this book is something that she would want her own children to have based on her children's experiences. Very unusual, very messy story to say the least. We actually did a scandal series on these two. So it's Brad, Jen and Angelina. If you listen to that three-part series, the final episode is just about this messy divorce. Yeah, it will shed a bit more context because what we found out very recently is a private judge has been expelled from this case. So the divorce case between Brad and Angelina has been going for five years and counting. And there has been a bit of contentiousness about whether the children should testify. Mm. And it just very much feels like all of these things are quite linked at the moment. Yeah, my fifth story. Lily Collins just got married in a fairy tale worthy wedding dress. That is from Who, What, Where. 
look, I'm going to break down the fourth wall. Just wanted to put this in because I really fucking love the wedding dress. Yeah, I sent it to you this morning. <laughs> I said this is my favourite wedding dress in a long time. Lily Collins married film director Charlie McDowell in Dunton Hot Springs, Colorado. They've been together since 2019. They are very cute on Instagram if you follow <laughs> Lily Collins. You, of course, might know Lily from films like The Blind Side or, of course, most recently, Netflix's Emily in Paris. When is it back? Do I want I? it to be back. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> do I, I will always stick by my love for Emily in Paris. Yes, it's not the best, but it's good. She goes down blazing. <laughs> now, Charlie McDowell is a writer and director. He, according to Wikipedia, is best known for his film The One I Love, which was made in 2014. Which Annabelle, is... have you watched it? No. <laughs> so weird, I know. Yeah. Which is a film I don't know, which is a shame <laughs> if that is his best known film. But to The Wedding and The Wedding Dress, Mish, Collins was in like this long-sleeved lace Ralph Lauren number that was just chef's kiss. Yeah, it was 10 out of 10 perfection. So it was kind of this like skin-tight lace gown with a really high neck and a dramatic hood with a cape attached. It kind of reminded me of Elizabeth Taylor. Again, sorry, plug for scandal. We spoke about Elizabeth Taylor's hooded wedding dress in that series. It reminds me of that 1950s, 1960s look and I love it. Annabelle... Have you seen the photos and what do you think? I'm just looking at them now. I love the hood as well and that's what I thought about the hood. I was right. like, Elizabeth Taylor. Yes. <laughs> Maybe I should wear a hood to my wedding next year, guys. Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> Zara, before we finish, I thought we were done. But as we've been recording, a sixth quick and dirty story that we cannot ignore has just been released. It is from People magazine. The headline is Kylie Jenner confirms she and Travis Scott are expecting their second baby. We finally have confirmation. Yeah, absolutely, Mish. So Kylie Jenner has literally just posted on Instagram as we've been recording that she's pregnant with Travis Scott again. It's a really sweet a minute 30 video that's gone onto her channels that basically just kind of shows her finding out she was pregnant, shows going to the doctor with Stormy. My favourite part was when she actually gave Kris Jenner the ultrasound photos. I don't think I'll ever get over like surprises like that. Pregnancy react videos are my favourite. They make me feel teary every time. It's so sweet. Yeah. And then they had footage of Kylie's birthday, which I think was the really kind of highly watched birthday where people were like, if she doesn't post about this birthday, she's going to probably be pregnant. And Mm -hmm. so they've given us some footage of that, but it's just a very sweet video. Yeah. And it really does hark back to that original viral video that Kylie used to announce Stormy's birth and to announce Stormy's pregnancy, which she kept under wraps for the entire duration. That was titled To Our Daughter. The music in both videos is exactly the same. So a really nice tie-in, really sweet video. Very happy for them. I mean, this is a couple that got together super young. Kylie was only 18 or 19 when they got together, had a baby, split up. very quickly too had a baby. Very quickly, split up had some time apart but have always been friends, back together for baby number two. I actually really love this love story and I really like them together. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that is actually it for the quick and dirty though. Yeah, what a great way to end. I'm all happy now. (laughs) Thank you, next bitch. You would be hard-pressed to miss this story from the Australian celebrity world this week. Just days after it was confirmed she had finalised her divorce from ex-Jimmy Bartell, a video of Nadia Bartell went viral. It showed her partying with a group of friends, yes, in the middle of Melbourne's lockdown and snorting white powder. So how in the world does a video like that even make its way onto the internet? Well, from all reports, her friend and business partner accidentally uploaded the video to her Instagram story. The fallout has been mammoth to say the least. Bartel has both been criticised for breaking lockdown and snorting the white powder to such a degree that she has lost brand ambassadorships and essentially gone to ground. Mish, much to unpack here, but let's start with a bit of a recap to open this segment. Yeah, let's start with a personal recap. You told me about this video on Thursday night. By the time I woke up on Friday morning, this was everywhere. I felt like everyone in Melbourne, at least I can't speak for the whole country, but everyone in Melbourne was speaking about this video. Yeah. So I was told about it on the Thursday night and Mm. I was a bit confused because I was like, I don't know if this video that people are talking about is new or if it's old or if it's fake. Like I have no idea what's going on. It still wasn't really clear who exactly was in the video. Mm. But as you say, by Friday, it became very clear that everybody was talking about the same thing. 
Yeah. So what was the video? It showed a huddle of four women with a fifth holding the camera and moving into the group as Nadia Bartel appeared to lean into a plate and snort a line of white powder using a rolled up note. This was a very short video, would have been maybe five seconds. It was up on Ellie Pearson's Instagram story for under 10 minutes reportedly but people were quick enough to get screen recordings and share it with their friends. Yeah, exactly. And every news site had this article up before lunchtime. A lot of them initially ran it without naming who was at the centre of it. Obviously, they were trying to desperately get it legal as fast as they could. But Mm. by lunchtime, everything was out in the open. The Daily Mail's piece was arguably the most shared, I would say, Mish. They ran with the headline, Moment high-profile wag Nadia Bartel snorts white powder from $1.50 Kmart plate in leaked Instagram video. How did people find out that this was a Kmart plate or that it was $1.50? Like, who is the journalist looking for the plate online? I also still... Think it could have been from IKEA. Like, can <laughs> no one can actually be positively sure because no one can see the barcode on the bottom. You have been so hung up on this as well. I remember you texted me very early on, being like, "Who's to say it's Kmart and not IKEA?" I'm like, I think we're getting bogged down in the details. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> so we did have a very quick apology from Nadia. She came onto her account in the late afternoon on Friday and posted a statement that read, "Hi everyone, I have let you all down by my actions. I take full responsibility." and I am committed to taking all necessary steps to ensure I make better choices in the future. To my family and friends, my business partners and the public health workers trying to keep us all safe, I am embarrassed and remorseful. I am truly and deeply sorry. I hope I can earn your forgiveness and in time your trust. Now, before we get to any of our thoughts and feelings on this or the listeners' thoughts and feelings on this, I need to ask the obvious questions. How does this video of snorting white lines get onto social media? Why is anyone taking a video of this in the first place? Is that, that might seem really obvious, but the number one question in my head was like, how the fuck did this happen? Yeah, I kept thinking a lot, like what was the initial fallout the minute they realised what had happened? Because I think you just feel a bit sick. Like yeah. why phones were out in the first place just confuses me, but there are also a lot of confusing elements to this story. It also kind of poses the question as well, because these two, Ellie and Nadia, are both in a business relationship. They both have what seems to be a really long-standing friendship, how a friendship does sort of survive this and what you kind of do together to maintain that friendship because Mm. there would be a lot of emotions tied to this now. Yeah. For those who might be confused, the reports are that Ellie Pearson was trying to share this with her sister in an Instagram DM and had a cracked phone screen, so clicked the wrong button. But to even take this to social media full stop feels like a risk that is just not (laughs) worth taking. flying very close to the sun. I mean, we asked you guys how you felt about it because what we were sensing from our DMs was a really incredibly mixed reaction. Some people were understandable furious and some people simply didn't really mind and some people laughed it off and I think what I want to preface saying before you read out any of these stats of how we polled you is however you feel is so completely justified yeah like if you are angry about this you are so well within your rights to be angry about it so we polled 40,000 of you who responded to our stories about this that's how engaged you are about this story and we asked you first and foremost whether you were more bothered by the image of white powder or the breaking of lockdown 88% of people said lockdown, only 12% said white powder mish. Yeah, personally, I have no opinion on someone else's potential drug use. I really don't feel much about it. But as far as lockdown, I think people's emotional responses to this, their anger response, is probably proportional to how deeply they have been personally affected by the pandemic. We had people in our DMs who haven't been able to attend funerals of loved ones, who didn't have their husbands with them in the labour ward after they had just given birth to their child. Like a lot of people have experienced very extreme consequences of the pandemic. And I think their anger is more heightened than someone like me who hasn't been through that stuff. So I can definitely appreciate some people's anger because it would be really frustrating. Yeah. We also published a slidey poll. I don't know how else (laughs) to say that. Where 40,000 of you responded again and we said on a scale of I'm not fast to I am furious, where do you sit on this? Now, the average person sat almost 
bang in the middle, mm. if a tiny bit towards I am not fast, which I find very, very interesting, Mish. And I totally agree with you. I think I probably sit with the average mm. sort of smack bang in the middle there, but I totally appreciate that I think your response to this will be in directly proportionate to your experience of the pandemic in the last few months, if not the last year. Yeah, I think Nadia's posts about the quote unquote shadow pandemic also probably heightened people's anger responses to this. So for anyone who missed it, last week there was a controversy about a quote unquote shadow pandemic in Victoria. Nadia lent her voice to this movement. Basically, it was this campaign, this petition to say that schools in Victoria should be urgently reopened because of children's declining mental health. The shadow pandemic very, very much hitched its wagon to this idea of mental health is declining and mental health is the real pandemic here. Yeah, and I think this is where the story really got complicated, Mish, because what ended up happening with the shadow pandemic is in a week or so since many celebrities lent their voice to this campaign, the shadow pandemic campaign that lives mostly on Instagram has been exposed by the likes of Clementine Ford as having ties to the Liberal Party both at a state and federal level. So Mm. people started to see through this campaign straight away and they were like, do you really care about mental health? Because if you care about mental health and if you are a member of the Liberal Party, you've enforced many, many different measures to kind of impact the mental health of people all across the country. Yeah, to defund mental health institutions even. Exactly. So to see someone like Nadia then say mental health is really important here, we're struggling in lockdown, and then to then see a video like this is just like the ultimate paradox, right? And that's where people's anger comes from and I totally appreciate that. Yeah, that anger was mirrored by some of the brands who have worked with Nadia. So Nadia has been let go by at least two ambassadorships that we know of at the time of recording. So JS Health, which is a vitamins company, and Hair House Warehouse have both publicly severed ties with Nadia. Interestingly, I mean, I think I know what this says about Australian culture. I'm curious as to what you guys think. Nadia gained followers. She did not lose followers in the wake of this. She gained 11,000 followers because while we have this narrative of this is awful, I'm so angry running through this story, some people are also saying what a legend, this is hilarious and they're following her. I am so surprised by that. I am very shocked that this has been reflected in her Instagram following. I 100% thought that her following was going to fall. Like Mm. it's, it's a weird kind of analysis of Australian psychology. And that's why we also wanted to do a poll to be like, where are people actually sitting on this? Because it's an incredibly hard thing to read the mood right now. But to see those followers go up, I'm like, I don't know how to analyze this anymore. Yeah, neither. It does prompt the question for me. Can Nadia Bartel rebuild her career from here? And if she can, how do you rebuild? Now, I am someone who believes you can absolutely bounce back from a scandal like this. Annabelle, curious as to what you think. Do you think it's possible to recover from a PR storm like this one? I mean, it's in the numbers, seeing that she's gained followers. Australia loves her. I think she will bounce back. Yeah, well, it's my opinion that celebrities don't just rebuild from scandals like this they can actually often rebound and be stronger than ever before. Yeah, and people might be sitting here straight away being like, okay, well, why are we talking about her rebuilding when I'm still pretty mad about this? And I think that's totally fair enough. I think for us, though, it's like as a celebrity and pop culture podcast who analyse the brands of both people and businesses, it would be totally remiss of us not to think about, okay, well, her entire career is tied to her personal brand right now. And if she wants to keep working, she's going to need to rebuild it. And the reality is she's going to try and rebuild it. So can she do that? And how will she do that? Yeah. And it's absolutely not unheard of that celebrities can flourish after scandals, even those relating to drugs, alcohol, and public health. One story that comes to my mind is Reese Witherspoon. So we know that Reese Witherspoon is one of the most adored female celebrities in the world. I don't think that's a stretch. Whenever we bring her up on Shameless, we fucking wax lyrical about Reese Witherspoon. And I didn't know this story. That's why I kind of like giggled before that because I was like, I had no idea this happened. Yeah. So I want to take everyone back to the year of 2013 to refresh your memory if you didn't know this. In 2013, Reese was involved in a highly publicised DUI controversy with her husband. Her husband was driving drunk and she was arrested for disorderly conduct when they were pulled over. Dash cam footage was released of this incident where she said to the police officer, I am now being arrested and handcuffed. Do you know my name, sir? You're about to find out who I am. I'm an American citizen. I'm allowed to do whatever I want. You are about to be on national news. 
Now, the response to this was brutal. I mean... Fair enough too. Driving under the influence, you are putting people at risk. They were both drunk in that car. You're putting people's safety at risk to make that decision. To disrespect a police officer at a time in history when respect for police officers was incredibly high around the world, but particularly in America, you might have said, this will decimate her, she will never bounce back. And yet... She went to ground, she worked hard on her production company, Hello Sunshine, and by the year 2014, Gone Girl was coming out and she was being heralded for being a genius in the space. Again, there is a female celebrity in Australia who has been papped smoking while heavily pregnant. That female celebrity is now a very well-loved, very respected female celebrity. This can happen and I think it will happen for Nadia Bartel if she goes about it in the right way. Yeah, I think it needs to be a while before she comes up for air, I think, to be totally honest with you. I think the best thing for everyone is for her to take a break from her socials, to not post for a while to not push much work out, to mm. be totally honest with you. I think the saga needs to die down and I think she needs to make some really important decisions about what her brand looks like. But I think it's just rebuilding trust with people. Mm. Like it is an incredibly emotionally charged time. People have had a very difficult year and a half and this has triggered something in quite a few people, including some of our listeners. And so it's like you need to rebuild that trust back but also have some line in the sand between the person that you were quote unquote, and the person that you intend to be going forward. Yeah, I think that's the key to rebuilding from this. If I was Nadia Bartel's PR manager, I've never met Nadia Bartel in my life, but if I was her PR manager, I would be saying, you need to symbolically communicate to your fans and the Australian public that that was a chapter that is closed and you are about to embark on a new chapter. That could be something as simple as a dramatic hair change, like taking a break from Instagram, not posting for a month and coming back as like a new you with, I don't know, a bob or anything. I know that sounds frivolous and ridiculous, but I think that is how important symbols are in a story like this. Also, she's just gone through a highly publicised divorce. It was finalised last week, I'm pretty sure on the day that this video was taken, Nadia might have changed her name back to Nadia Coppolino. We don't know that yet, but even that would be a symbol of that was an old me and this is the new me and I'm sorry and I'm going to do better. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think it's that. It's that line in the sand that needs to be made very, very clear. I mean, it also poses the question again, like some people will be so mad about this that they will not want her to rebuild. But I think we have to ask ourselves that question of, do we want to crucify people for one mistake? And I think one thing we say on this podcast a lot is that mistakes exist on a spectrum. Some mistakes I'm not as willing to forgive, but this is kind of her first major one. Yes, it was a, a mistake that was pretty selfish. Yeah, pretty stupid, pretty reckless, pretty selfish. Incredibly reckless. But love what she did or hate what she did, as we said, this is her career and she has no choice but to try and rebuild it. And I do believe that this is a mistake that she does deserve a second chance from. Yeah, I cannot wait to see what you guys think about this when we poll you for your Safe Friday. There's going to be a lot going on. <laughs> and we want to remind you, however you feel, you are probably valid in that. As long as you deal with that emotion in a healthy and productive way, I think that's all we can ask for. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot, a lot going on. There's been a lot going on all <laughs> week. Guys, thank you so much for listening as always. If you want to support the show, pop a photo up on your Instagram story of where you are listening to Shameless. We love so much seeing where you guys tune in. It always blows our minds a little bit to see the very different locations that you pop your little headphones in and put the podcast on and we are so grateful. Yeah, shout out to all the rural listeners. That is a hard word to say. Rural. Yeah. rural. It's not easy. Shout out to all the rural shameless listeners because you guys have very idyllic lives. You take the best photos of where you listen and I always feel like a dumb city girl whenever I see you and you're like beautiful tractors looking at the sunshine. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Thanks so much, guys. We'll be back in your ears on Monday for another episode of Scandal. Bye. Bye. 